Hello and welcome to Well I Know Now, the podcast in which I talk to people affected by dementia in all sorts of different ways. We chat about what they know now, what they wish they'd known earlier, and what their experience has taught them about dementia, about life, about anything and everything. I'm Pippa Kelly. My mum lived with vascular dementia for the last decade of her life. She's no longer with us. But one of the main things that mum's dementia taught me and my family was just how little we knew about it. Now, through my work as a dementia blogger and campaigner, I know so much more about this incurable condition. Not least that the smallest things can make a huge difference to those with dementia and their families and carers. I called this podcast after a quote from author and poet Sylvia Plath, who wrote, Well, I know now a little more about how a simple thing like a snowfall can mean to a person. And dementia teaches you this, too. My guest today won't thank me for saying this, but I admire her enormously. I do so for her understated determination, her strength of character and her obvious love for her family. Where others like me might observe, talk and write about all things dementia and care, the woman I'm talking to today lives and breathes it. Modest and unassuming as she may seem, this young mum from Chepstow packs a punch. A supported housing officer at a hostel for those with drug addictions and alcohol dependency by the time she was 22, she doesn't suffer falls, pomposity, unnecessary bureaucracy or injustice gladly. But, and this is a big but, she doesn't judge others either. She possesses a rare combination of feistiness and tolerance. She's Susie Webster. Eight years ago, Some years after her mum was diagnosed with two forms of dementia, Susie's parents moved in with her, her husband Andrew, a hospice chaplain, and their two very young daughters, then aged six and three. Susie's fortitude has been put to the test on numerous occasions over the years. Her mum Barbara now requires a wheelchair, a hoist, and help with her most intimate needs. And then, in 2020, came COVID-19, lockdown and shielding at the very time when Barbara's deteriorating health meant that different carers were visiting the house three times a day. Susie initially wanted to take over all her mum's care but was persuaded to limit her daily shift to one. She was, after all, still working for Age Cymru, the Welsh equivalent of Age UK, and My Home Life, which promotes quality of life in care homes, while homeschooling her daughters. And actually, Susie's one shift turned into two, lunchtime and evening. For all of us, the past few months have been like no other. Susie has had to learn all sorts of practical, physical, caring skills. The newfound intimacy of taking over every aspect of her mum's personal care has created moments of joy, as profound as they are surprising. But she has also had to face the painful fact that the pandemic could claim Barbara's life at any time. Coronavirus has brought lots of things to the surface emotionally and physically, says Susie. Day to day, I haven't got the time to think, but I'm watching mum grow down just as you watch a child grow up. I sometimes look at mum and think, we've lost you a little bit more today. So, Susie Webster, it's my absolute pleasure to welcome you onto Well I Know Now. And I'd like to start, if I may, by asking you to tell us why you and your husband Andrew decided all those years ago to adapt your house so that your parents could come and live with you and your two young daughters. So I believe that initially even your dad wasn't sure about the wisdom of your decision. 
Yeah, I'm hyper, but um, yeah, I'm just sort of re- recovering a little bit from that introduction because, like you say, having the opportunity to sit down and think and actually, you know, absorb what the last few years have been like, let alone the last few weeks um, during COVID, is a chance I don't get very often. So thank you for welcoming me to your podcast. Yeah, so it was eight years ago that we made the decision to all move in together. It was a difficult decision for me as an only child. I think my idea at the start was that mum and dad would move over from Somerset to Chepstow and live in a house down the road Mm. (laughs) so we could kind of see each other now and again keep in touch you know keep mum well supported after her diagnosis and actually it was Andrew my husband who said why don't we all move in together that would make more sense and Mm. that was a bigger step really but we we all decided together it was mum at that point that said she thought this was the best plan although dad had said to me you've got your own family now Susie just deal with your own family and I had to remind him that he was my family too because mm. we hadn't lived in the same place for so long and mm. my children as you say were three and six mm. so life was fast and <laughs> different um, complexities of bringing up little kids as well so I think dad was concerned for me at that mm. point but we took a deep breath and we mm. found a house that suited us all so mum and dad could live independently on the side of our house mm. really although it's a lot bigger than an annex I really wanted to make sure they didn't feel like they were shoved on the end of our house mm. that this this was our home mm. and, and was we your mum t- still at the stage where she understood exactly what you were doing yeah, she she did understand that we were moving in together. The estate agents were fantastic, actually, mm. and had a quick dementia friends session with me oh, brilliant. <laughs> around um, the fact that mum would possibly need a few more visits to the house, really, to try mm. and fix it into her memory. But unfortunately, Pippa, that didn't really work. So on the day of the move, my mum couldn't remember ever being in this house before so the transition into the house was really tricky lots of labels Mm. on boxes lots of cupboards with labels on and Mm. just you know trying to find a way to make mum feel as comfortable as possible Mm. in what was a really quite traumatic time for Mm. her but Mm. you know it took some time to settle in but this is home for all of us now Mm. well made much easier for your mum by the fact that you were all moving in together though Yes, yes. And what we did was mum and dad moved in first and actually we we moved in a couple of months after. So they had the opportunity to settle in themselves really before the chaos of (laughs) the little ones moving in as well. So we were lucky to have that privilege that we could have that extra bit of time really. Very well thought out on your part though. Yeah, but, you know, like like most things, when you're caring for somebody with dementia, you don't even know what's well thought out. It's all so very much in the moment and going with your heart. And I knew that we were in this situation for the long haul and that we weren't going to have the support that we needed having lived through my grandma living with dementia we Mm. I knew those you know wonderful support that some people get in some places we weren't going to get so I thought the best way to do this is to pull in and try and get through it together Mm. 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 yes and actually I was going to come to this later but it does seem relevant now because you actually had to deal with your grandma moving into a care home didn't you when you were very young yourself or relatively young And that was very traumatic. So perhaps you sort of had learned a few things from that. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about that a bit. 
Yeah, sure. Yes. Um, so I was the person that dropped my grandma off at the care home the first day that she moved in. And How I old were just, you, Susie? Gosh, I'm trying to think. I would have been 20, 22, something very like young. that. Mm. Yeah, very young. And you were close um, to your grandma, weren't you? Yeah, very close to my grandma. And I was doing my social work diploma at the time. And I think the family just thought, Susie, you're doing social work. You know what to do. But it was, it was one of <laughs> Quite the... Quite like, well, like that when it's your own family, does it? <laughs> yes. No, you're the social worker. You sort it out. It was a really difficult day. But, you know, her grandma lived in the care home for the last 10 years of her life, which is a really long time. And perhaps the care wasn't as we'd hoped it would be uh, it was difficult there were times that were really hard and mm. you know I learned so much from that experience and that's what has led me into finally <laughs> now in the last years of my working life working with care homes and supporting quality mm. of life mm. so you know because I've seen really good care and I've seen it when it's not so good so mm. for me it was a really big motivation for the work that I do now mm. but I, I think it's important to say Pippa that it isn't that we don't want mum to live in a care home it's mm. just that we seem to be in the right situation in our life mm. where we've been able to pull in and look after her as six people together you know mm. my mum is still my mum and I still go to her for a cuddle even though she can't speak to me anymore she's a very important part of this family. That's so interesting Susie because I certainly felt that and I'm sure everybody does actually but because it doesn't really matter what state your mum or dad is in they're always your mum and dad aren't they uh, they're always yes, the ones you I remember thinking that when my mum had very severe dementia and quite frankly didn't really know what day it was or who I was but I do something and want to just touch base with her about yes. it because she was must... still my mum as you rightly say and that's very mm. profound within us isn't it this parent child yes. and that all comes makes more difficult when you do that role reversal which obviously you had to do with your granny your grandma and your mum yeah and I absolutely miss her every day Pippa especially when the girls were little and I was trying my best to Mm. be the best mum I could be and I I needed my mum Um, And it it wasn't possible for her to be perhaps the grandma that she would have wanted to be. So, But she really has because she's given my daughters more than probably she ever could before, which is that sense of... Well, let's go along with that for a while because we have talked about this. And so talk about what all this has given your daughters and what they've given your mum and, you know, how it's all been so sort of mutually reciprocal. Yes, yeah, it might be the way that I view it. And, and, and of course, my, my daughters in time will be able to reflect on this part of their life as well. And they are getting some support themselves from the Young Carers um, organisation, which okay. has been helpful to them as they've mm. sort of grown, growing into teenagers. And, mm. you know, they've had to learn from an early age that sometimes they just need to wait, which isn't a bad thing. But sometimes I can be with mum in a bit of a tricky situation <laughs> especially when mum I think was was walking a lot and mm. quite confused so or now when she needs a lot of help with her personal care that they know they just have to wait but you know we've we've slowed down as a family we've had to pull in we've had to check in on each other all of the time and mm. the girls have seen what caring for somebody really means and mm. They've turned into, I'm very biased, of course, but they've turned into wonderful children who are very 
very kind and mm. very able to speak to people of different ages and mm. which I think is really important and you know I think it's not been easy none of this has been easy but there's so many positives and mm. today the hottest day of the year so far mm. I know they're sat with my mum right now keeping her cool <laughs> yeah, and lovely. you know chatting and watching rubbish on the telly probably but you know <laughs> um yeah it's but there's something wonderful about the the two generations isn't there almost the two ends of the of the lifetime generations because you were telling me earlier how I can get it the wrong way around but one of your daughters would be doing her homework and your mum would be doing it with her or they'd be doing things together because in a way of course you connect very well at those two different ends of the spectrum age-wise don't you yes Um, I mean certainly mum used to read Anna who's now 11 a bedtime story but now mum reads to Anna uh, to my mum uh, so yeah so that's a lovely gift and 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 still I mean even yesterday when both of the girls are being homeschooled at the moment because of the Covid situation that um, I asked mum to just check over one of their homework uh, which she can't really do but she it's so important to keep her involved in our lives. She's just not someone, I listened to Sally's podcast with you and it, it, it really, it was incredible that the way she describes things, because for me, that's the way we live our life as well. That so important to include mum and appreciate her and make her feel like she's not just not the person we do things to, but she's the person who can give us so much as well. And I hope she feels that. I think that's the hardest thing, Pippa, is that I'll never really know. <laughs> well, I would like Mum back for one day just to tell me how I'm doing with all of this. I would love that. But I think we can all, you know, I'm sure she would say you're doing amazingly. <laughs> yeah. Mm, I'm sure she would. I think it's fascinating, though, the way that it's such a two-way thing. And, of course, if you're living in the same house, I know you have these two sides to it, but basically you are, that, of course, that will inevitably happen. It just happens so much more naturally in a way. Sally, to go back to Sally Knocker, who, for people who didn't hear her, was talking about what happens in the very best care homes, which is where they're much more like a home. And, you know, you would have a kitchen, you would have people going in and out and just doing these things, which, of course, you're just doing normally because you were saying Anna might be making cakes and your mum will wander in and have a stir of the mixture or whatever. You know, it's all happening so naturally because it is a home, is a, you know, which is what yes. Sally's trying to recreate in care homes. And what about yeah. your dad? Yeah, he's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to know sometimes. You know, this last eight years, we've seen him change and mum change, and he needs a little bit more support now than he did eight years ago. Eight years mm. ago, he could Let's do lots of other things. Let's remind people or tell but, people how, the ages of your parents, actually. Yeah, so mum's 75, dad's, oh, no, he'll kill me. No, dad's 75, <laughs> mum's 74. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, when we made the decision to all move in together, my, my best friend said to me, are you sure, Susie, because this is for the rest of your mum and dad's lives? And I said, I'm absolutely sure it's fine. But of course, you know, I hadn't perhaps thought about how things were going to change for my dad in that time. We were so focused on mum and caring for her that I didn't really think that actually my dad's going to get older in this time and he's going to need a bit more support. And that's been a little bit unexpected because we just work so well together, me and dad, as a team. We've learned a lot and we've we've had to emotionally support each other. So mm. sometimes now it's difficult for him more than mm. ever. And having to 
hand over some of mum's care to, to paid carers was a really big transition, much needed, but a really big transition for us. And we had to work in unison to make mm. that work for all of us. Um, how did you do that? I mean, how did you do that in the same way that you were very careful about your strategy for moving in together? I think we were all pretty much at breaking point when my friends kept saying to me, Susie, you need to take a break. When are you mm. getting your you time and all mm. of this? And where, where, How long ago was this, Susie? Oh, this was probably five years ago. Mm. And I thought we are going to have to look for some more support for mum. Mm. But it was it was difficult. We had a social worker at that time that said we don't really provide care unless it's personal care. And mum didn't need that at that point. What mum needed was a break from us. <laughs> what we needed was a break from mum. And 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 the local day centre was for people with very advanced dementia. Mm-hmm. Mum wasn't at that point then Mm. so when I went to visit I thought this isn't right for mum right Mm. now so Mm. mum didn't fit the services that were available so in the end the social worker said we could provide what they call a sitting service which I I hate because it sounds like babysitting but however we had a paid carer then that came once a week and sat with mum for two hours to enable me and dad to do other things and then just over the past five years we've had to adapt to mum as her needs have changed but once we had that trust with that care agency they could almost suggest to us we think this things are changing a bit would you like us to put someone in it in the morning to help your mum get up would we would you like someone in the evening and Mm. and that built up to the situation that we're in now where we have before covid we had six carers a day coming Mm. and mum's bedroom being moved downstairs so she doesn't sleep with my dad anymore which again was a another big transition Mm, but yeah so you know these things just come along I I Mm. often describe it like bumps in the road that we just hit now and again and you think this is all over we can't do it anymore we need to look elsewhere for care and then we motor it off again and we're we're all right the caravan moves on again yeah yeah, it really is about getting the right people around you. So well, I thought that was interesting it, when you said the trust that are built up between you and the company. That is such an important thing, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. We've got an incredible social worker now mm. who I trust and an occupational therapist. Mm. What, of, of course, we would love would be an admiral nurse, but there's mm. none in this area. Mm. Perhaps that's for another podcast. Well, it <laughs> but, is, but just because you've <laughs> mentioned it, and I, I don't think any opportunity should go wasted, actually, when it comes to admiral nurses. So if anybody listening, and probably there are lots of people because lots of people within the medical profession and all sorts don't know who they are, they're specialist dementia nurses. And they come in, don't they, Susie, generally at points of what you might call crisis, perhaps when the person with dementia is going into a care home or perhaps when they need to get more care. It often tends to be a point of crisis and they'll come in and really, they're nurses because they know all about the medication. And of course, a lot of people with dementia have lots of different things going on in their body. So you have to be careful about counter medication, you know, how it's going to affect the, the different medications that are going on in the body. And they also help you through everything really, don't they, from the legal to the social care system to counselling the family, you know, they're a psychiatrist, a lawyer, a nurse, sort of everything really. They're always described to me as miracle workers, godsends, lifesavers, and they're 
I think there are now, finally the numbers are growing about two, yes. I'm going to get this wrong and be shot down by the charity that supports me, the Dementia UK, the one that I always <laughs> tend to mention at the end, but they are great. And I think there are now well over 200. Yeah, and for a long time, that's been growing. It's yeah. been growing for a long time. There were only about 100. Yeah. And then in the last few years, they've grown. But we do need more of those Admiral nurses. Sorry, I completely sidetracked have... the whole podcast no. there. It's a small effort. <laughs> I think it would have made a massive difference to our lives because it's having that one point of contact that um, we haven't had. So sometimes, you know, you are on the phone trying to get different people for different things. And I remember at the start, at one week, we had seven different health and social care professionals doing all different assessments for man. It was so confusing. Mm. It still is, but I've sort of found within the social worker someone I can turn to that an adult nurse is that person. And mm. and and I think that would have been lovely for my girls to have had someone to talk to throughout this PIPA. It's been me that's had to provide the emotional support from my children, my husband, my dad and my mum and me. <laughs> I was really struck by that when we've talked, sort of which we have done obviously once or twice before the podcast, you know, over the years really. I think that's an extraordinary pressure on you. That you probably, yeah. as you're saying, you know, you're in it at the moment, but when it, you know, it's a lot you're doing. It is a lot. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And that's obviously increased in the last few <laughs> months with COVID. So. Yeah, so let's talk yeah. about, um, well, first of all, because we haven't mentioned it because you've been such a good speaker, I haven't really, but we haven't sort of described exactly what type of dementias your mum has got. If Just quickly oh, yes. say, and then we'll go into the COVID situation, yes, and how that has really mm -hmm. affected you. Yeah, so mum's got hydrocephalus, um, which is fluid on the brain. So that's a condition that she's lived with for probably the last 15 years. Mm -hmm. And um, that can cause a very rare type of dementia. But I still have not a lot of information about that because the hydrocephalus society haven't really done very much around dementia care. Mm -hmm. They might have now. But at the time when mum was diagnosed, it was really difficult to find any information about that particular type of dementia. And it is the only, I think, type of dementia that can be reversed through keyhole surgery into the brain. Oh, right. So we, when mum was, I was going to say fortunate to have brain surgery, but we, well, I, mm. it was fortunate because we we thought the hope was there that we thought that this would cure mum. So where mum's mm. uh, mobility mm. was starting to suffer, she was having difficulty with her waterworks and we were noticing quite significant memory loss mm. and also a real withdrawal from her social circle. Mm. Mum was always really a really good friend to people, um, mm. really gregarious and cheerful and that started to slip away and mm. we, we didn't know why and mm. we thought it was possibly the damage to her brain that could be reversed and mm. but unfortunately for mum that didn't happen but I know for some people it does mm. so she lived with that for some time before the second diagnosis of Alzheimer's came mm. which was you know around about eight years ago mm. when we at that point knew we've got to mm. we've got to do something together as a family to <laughs> mm. to get through this now so that's the two types of dementia that she lives with yes Sorry to just get that in. And then um, we talked at the very beginning of uh, lockdown, actually, when you'd taken over some of the shift work. Because I'd seen a tweet you'd done, actually, um, yeah. about going on shift, as it were, in the evening. And then I s 
since then things have changed, haven't they? So just fill us all in a bit about what happened at the beginning and then how it's changed subsequently through these sort of three months. Yes. So just before everybody else locked down, the week before lockdown, I was starting to get quite concerned about what I was hearing on the news. And a couple of good friends of mine had started saying, oh, Susie, this looks like it's going to be worse than anybody ever thought. And so I started thinking at that point, what can we do as a family? And I felt um, straight away what we needed to do was to lock down before anything else, just to sort of bring ourselves back into one place Mm. from schools and work and day centres and things that mum was doing and just have a moment to just wait and see what was going to happen. But very soon into lockdown, we were contacted by the care agency who unfortunately took away, first of all, the sort of what I would call the nice things around the care. So things like mum's sitting service. And then we were contacted by mum's day centre, which is in a care home, which she loves and is absolutely brilliant. She goes every Thursday. Of course, they had to lock down. And so they'd closed. Mum's singing group had closed. And things were starting to close in Mm. around us and I was starting to think this is quite serious and then not long after that our mum's midday sort of lunchtime call of two carers was um, stopped which meant that mum would need to go from her morning visit with the carers to her evening visit without any care in between at all so that was going to fall to me and my dad Mm. and then it was Mother's Day and I was having a really bad meltdown about the whole situation and trying not to because the girls had brought me little presents Mm. and cards and Mm. were trying to give me weird breakfast in bed but anyway I was just thinking (laughs) I was not quite sure what did you get it was was sold to me as Nutella on toast but yeah anyway (laughs) (laughs) sounds delicious to me yeah and I couldn't concentrate or be Mm. in that moment with them Mm. because my mind was Mm buzzing with Mm. what the hell are we going to do and that week we had counted 14 different carers coming in and Mm. out of our house Mm. and this is was it was the footfall and and we were having carers we'd never seen before because some of mum's carers had to go to shield shield themselves themselves. because you're with a very good care uh, yeah Mm. yeah they are they are brilliant and then some carers were understandably frightened and weren't coming to work or phoning in sick Mm. um so mm. this meant that the Mac carers coming here mm. w- was uh, just ridiculous. And I thought at the time, well, here we are trying to shield mum, mm. but That's actually mm. we might as well take her to the local Tesco's because she's Absolutely. she won't see as many mm. people. Mm. So it was then that I thought I'm going to have to put on my rubber gloves <laughs> and get on shift and do the best we can. And like you said earlier, I, I thought I'm just going to have to do it all. No one mm. else can do it. But mm. it was it was mm. my husband, Andrew, who's, again, mm. the voice of reason, <laughs> said, yes. hold on, do we have to rush into you doing everything? Perhaps mm. there's one particular care uh, situation from your mum that you could help with. And so I decided to go for the bedtime call. So we went from six carers a day to three, two in the morning and one in the evening with me and yeah, we worked like that for, I think, 52 days or something right. like that. Mm. It was bonkers. And, mm. you know, I knew that if no one's boss would let them work for that long <laughs> without a break. No, quite. You're um, going. Yeah. Yeah. And I was physically mm. tired. That was the well, that must was be the physically, emotionally and mentally first. tired. Yeah. Well, you must yeah. Still be. But knowing 
it didn't feel like there was a choice. And that, I think, made us feel very, very vulnerable. And I've only really started reflecting on that in this last week of how we've, you know, you're a campaigner, Pippa, how we work within circles of people that are campaigning for the human rights of people with dementia. And Mm. suddenly it felt like my mum had none. Yeah. It yeah. felt like none of that mattered. The fact yeah. she'd had an yeah. assessment to say she needed care. Mm. I'd had an assessment to say mm. I needed respite. Mm. But where, <laughs> and 52 where was that when you days, mm. Yeah, 52 mm. days mm. in, mm. you're thinking, how long is this going to go on mm. for? Mm. It's but, really but highlighted to... that, hasn't it? I mean, hopefully, you know, it won't all go back to what was a very inadequate normal anyway in terms of, you know, yes. dementia care. But hopefully this yes. has really highlighted it, particularly with the care home neglect, <laughs> which is really what yes. it was. And and, and almost like yeah. the, the, you know, that's a horrible thing to say, but the sort of dumping grounds that care homes became as people came out of hospital. Absolutely. Just these breeding yes. grounds for it, really. So, yeah, so let's hope that it does get better post-lockdown yeah, going but forward. I, I, I suppose in the way that I live my life, Pippa, that this has brought incredible privilege as well. I was going to say, yes, because this is love for you, isn't it? The other side of the coin. Explain about some of that. That's wonderful. Yeah, something unexpected, Mm. really. Mm. I mean, I haven't attended to mum's personal care for, well, probably nearly five years, unless there's been a situation where we've had to (laughs) quickly. I was worried about that because I didn't want to become a carer I wanted to remain mum's daughter exactly you know so many people say that and especially spouses as well yes and I transitioned really from being the main carer into accepting paid carers into Mm. the house up to the point where we're having six a day Mm. and suddenly I'm thrown back into a situation where I didn't feel trained (laughs) I didn't feel adequately equipped and it was my mum and I was worried about that but I you know got on with it and actually what once I broke through the kind of barrier of, oh gosh, this is all so awful, and I, I've never seen this side of my mum, so to speak, mm, <laughs> um, mm. so much before. Mm, because you were doing washing but, and putting to bed yeah. and all this sort of thing. Yes, mm, yes. Mm, mm, mm. And mum needs total, mm, care, total care now. Mm-hmm. She can't stand mm. on her own. Mm. So, yeah, a lot of physical um, care was needed. Mm, which is and, physically but, demanding, but, isn't it? Quite apart from the emotional demands. Yeah, yeah. and But you get through that and then the opportunity to tuck mum into bed at night put her her hug with her which is mm. something else we can talk about and to give her a kiss and hear her sometimes say night night has been a wonderful experience not every night I've not felt it every night some nights I haven't felt that at all but but it has and of course, now I'm trying to learn to let go again. So as the carers are coming back, I'm having to adjust to trusting them again. And yeah, so it's an, it's another shift, but it wasn't all bad. Yeah, it strikes it, me, and I thought this before when I talked to you, that you've had this very intense episode. We've all had a pretty intense episode, but yours has almost been distilled. It's what we're all going through, but yours is at such a heightened level. Because I think a lot of people would say after lockdown, families... You know, my friends would say, yeah, but, you know, there's a love thing because my sort of 20-something-year-old children came home. They'd never come home and stay for that long, but they were with us, and that was a silver lining. (laughs) Your families have been thrown together, but in your case, you'd be thrown together really up close and personal. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And that's brought with it, though, these moments of sheer connectivity again with your mum that might have not 
otherwise happened and emotion yeah. and connection yes and also in the way that you've had to sort of step up and learn things again which we've all had to do in a way but you've had to do it so viscerally you know you've had to physically do it because you've had to learn yeah. you were telling me how to sort of move your mum a bit without hurting yourself yes. or her and how to get clothes on and off somebody else all things that you do to yes. little children normally yeah but, uh, and when some of my friends are talking about you know in lockdown we've we, I've taught myself to knit or mm. I've, I've done some painting <laughs> and I'm thinking oh wow lucky you <laughs> well done <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and, and other people have talked about their lives slowing down and mine has speeded up in a way because of, of the level of responsibility of homeschooling working and caring for mum and dad and keeping my husband smiling as well is you know it has been like that but I think also what we learned and something's just come to me really mm, is that mm. we were starting to live our lives very much around what the carers availability was so uh, um, mm. yeah, and with that taken away we were actually starting mm, to mm. live our lives mm. and not rush and not think That's oh we better so get mum ready for the carers or the carers are coming at this time we better we better get her inside so we've had much more time as a family without that interruption to find your rhythm really your own rhythms which again we've all sort of done I think and we were worried about that but it's funny how quickly you do find a new rhythm and actually it's rather nice because it's much more your rhythm yes yeah Mm. yeah and now it's all about watching the world open up again which is not quite happening in Wales yet but I certainly know it is in England and we're on the border here so we're 10 minutes from England and you know that the real fear that's wave in hitting me in waves is that if mum got Covid now would this last 100 days because it's our anniversary of 100 days today in lockdown would this 100 days be for nothing so that's the other thing we're not ready to get back into the world just yet I went to my local shop today it's the first time I've been in a shop for 100 days and it's quite a nerve-wracking experience Mm. (laughs) but I know the shop owner and you know she knew my situation so Mm. it was just me in the shop with her but I think psychologically this is going to be quite a challenge oh and again again back to you know it's just so intense for you I think everybody's feeling a bit like that and people are feeling it to different degrees some people are more casual about it and some people I know other people who've really not any particular reason but just are much more anxious about it they're in this bubble now and they don't particularly want to sort of crawl out of it you know they're safe in their little cocoon Um, but in your case this is so sort of powerful for you because it's really important as you say so yeah Yeah. very difficult to emerge yeah very difficult and it's taken much longer for carers who work with with people living in their own homes to have their testing um, completed as well so there's been quite a big rush on the care homes Mm. being done Mm. I think mum's carers are at the moment being tested so that might give us some relief Relief. reassurance yeah Yeah, I guess so Mm. I guess so have you got any other sort of you know any other route plans out yeah, so we're planning a, a nice break in August, mm-hmm. but August seems still seems a little way away. But mm. at, the, at the moment, I know it's always been really important for Andrew and I and the girls to have some time just together. So we need to organise something that means that we have some time away from the house as a family, a yes. little holiday. Yes. And mum and dad, we would get extra carers in during that time. Who would and live in the house? <laughs> 
well, probably we're organising for my uncle to come and keep, you know, to be here with my dad. But we, we don't need a carer through the night, but we'd probably have more carers during the, the day to be with mum because, you know, what we have missed and I think what my mum has missed a lot is is her opportunity to go out and have her time so her day centre and her singing group and I'm not sure when they'll be open again and I said to her the other day would you like to go out in the car and she just smiled the biggest smile and I thought I'd forgotten I'd forgotten that you need that too Mm. Um, so off off we went and just drove around the town and came back again Mm. you forget how it's not just about you it's it's about the person here as well and 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 all of us and what we all need Mm. and sometimes that's that's hard to get it right for everyone Mm. and your husband Andrew sounds to me shout me down if it's wrong but he sounds like he's been a (laughs) tremendous support and very wise he's a hospice chaplain isn't he he is he's a Mm. hospice chaplain at the moment so he was a methodist minister Mm. for 20 years and now he's a hospice chaplain but he has been furloughed for the last few weeks and he returns to work next week so Mm. another little shift for our family Mm. because we've certainly been very dependent on him being here the last few weeks Um, and he is incredible and he'll go all red when he hears this I'm sure but you know not many men would live with their mother-in-law full stop they wouldn't they wouldn't (laughs) no they wouldn't it was on my mind so feel free to embarrass Andrew even more because it was on my mind as to whether you would be able to do all this Susie which I think it's fair to say has mostly fallen on your shoulders without Andrew Yes. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree. I couldn't have done this alone. I couldn't have done the last few weeks alone. I couldn't have done yesterday alone. Mm. <laughs> um, I can't do today without him. We, you know, mm. it, it works somehow. Um, he's a, a very special human being. So, yes. Thank you, Susie. That was really, really lovely. So good My luck. Pleasure. Good luck. Thank coming you. Coming out of it Thank all. Thank you. Every now and then, life throws up special people. Susie Webster is definitely one of them. She embraces life whatever it throws at her. She also savours it, catching the fleeting moments of absolute joy while never making any bones about the fact that it is sometimes very difficult. I don't know whether this is down to her upbringing, the strong, loving partnership she obviously enjoys with her husband Andrew, or is simply something she was born with, Whatever the answer, I never come away from talking to Susie or seeing her speak without learning something new about her that only makes me admire her more. The Admiral Nurses we mentioned are supported by the charity Dementia UK, which you can find at www.dementiauk.org. Susie also works for Age Cymru, which is at www.ageuk.org. Dot uk forward slash Cymru forward slash Cymru is spelled C-Y-M for Mother R-U. And she also works at My Home Life, which can be found at myhomelife.org.uk. And finally, if you've enjoyed listening today, I would be very, very grateful if you would rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform or channel you're listening to it on, as this will help spread the word about the podcast, and then together perhaps we can further diminish the stigma, increase the knowledge, and quash the myths surrounding dementia.